Hey guys, it's Nate Katz with Incats Consulting. I just want to start with a disclaimer. This is for trained artists in a licensed shop. This information is going to help them the most. It really may not help anyone else out. Alright guys, I'm really excited to bring this one to you tried really hard yesterday to record this. All the ambient noises that were going on made that impossible. So I'm getting up early today just to make sure that I get this out there. If there's ambient noise, I'm just going to have to push through it. I apologize in advance. So today we're talking about how to sell, or at the very least some ideas to base some tactics on, just to stir the brain juices a little, get you thinking about the type of stuff that makes you a little more successful when you market and when you sell. So selling starts with marketing. Marketing is your introduction. It's how people are introduced to what you provide as a service. Now based on the rule of reciprocity, by providing value first of equal or higher value than what you are asking for, you improve the likelihood of getting a yes at the end. Gary Vaynerchuk refers to this as a jab, 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 right hook. You're consistently providing value and then occasionally ask for something. An ask or sell is anytime you're asking someone to do anything, including but not limited to asking for a like, share, to come on into the shop or tell your friends. Marketing is your introduction to your customer, it's your elevator pitch. If you aren't familiar with the concept, it is based on the idea that you are in an elevator with a potential client and you have the length of the ride to explain who you are, what you do, and what problems that they have that you can solve. You should know your elevator pitch and have it memorized. It will provide a framework for your future marketing efforts. You should keep in mind while you're trying to market yourself, you should also be building your brand, your logo, your style, your voice through social media are all ways to develop your brand and affect marketing. Effective branding allows Nike to leave out the words and just use the swoosh in marketing and you know who it is. Now don't be afraid to be playful or funny but always maintain professionalism and courtesy. Do not try to make commercials. Do not make print ads. What I mean in this example is do not attempt to reproduce the mass media marketing. You do not have the budget to make them effective. You need to stand apart and be something that catches attention. Marketing is all about gaining someone's attention and setting them up to be receptive to the sale. Remember to speak with your natural voice. Attempting to use a larger vocabulary or to imitate someone else will come across as fake and you'll lose trust. And if they don't trust you, they won't buy from you. Try to educate, be informative, or be humorous. These three things are your tools to gain attention and provide value. And remember to mix up your source of value that you provide. 
from video to infographics to humorous educational memes. Don't give them the same thing over and over. Make sure that you mix it up. All of this stuff is to position yourself as the expert and trusted counsel. People are more likely to buy from someone that they trust. You should be professional, but seen as having their best interest at heart. I should mention at this point, this should not be an act. You should truly have their best interest at heart. It's a question of business ethics. Your product or service should be a solution to a customer's problem, and your primary drive is to solve that problem for them as a core principle in business. Now, I use a term soft ask and hard sales. A soft ask would be similar to asking if you would like something to drink versus trying to sell them on the idea that they like this particular soda and they should have it right now. That would be a hard sale. Now, soft asks should be used sparingly. Hard sales should never be used in marketing. An invitation to come down for a consultation or follow-up appointments would be a soft ask. Call to actions are another soft ask if they're used correctly. In sales, your job is to determine your client's needs and provide a solution. You have to sell to the reason that they buy. Emotions drive decisions. And then you rationalize why you made that decision. The decision's already made very quickly and based on the emotion that it gives them. And you have to remember, people don't buy for your reasons. You have to have empathy to understand their needs. You have to speak their language. You have to be able to hear what they're saying and what they mean by it. And understand what it is that is driving them. What their needs, either spoken or unspoken, are and how you solve those. One last point I'll leave you to think about. People do not change their minds. They make a new decision based on new information. Once you've received a no, as long as you continue to give them the same information, the answer will remain no. They are only capable of giving a yes when confronted with new information that allows them to make a new decision. This is generally experienced as a, well, why didn't you just say so? Or why didn't you just start with that? New information allows them to make a new decision. down into little sections each one has its own little bit to think about and I'd like you to try and take them by themselves as an idea that you can use for your marketing or your sales tactics and see how you can adopt them into what you're doing day to day this next one is about reasoning strengthened arguments 
and the idea is an ask with a reason, no matter what the reason is, is more likely to be agreed upon. Now this is important when you're trying to sell something as the first yes, one of the hardest things to get to, makes the next yes easier to obtain and so on and so forth until you get to the final yes which is agreeing to buy your product and it makes it more likely that that's going to happen so let that sink in it's a fundamental stage in selling anytime you have to use a soft ask a reason for doing so will strengthen your chances of getting them to agree an example of a way to use this would be I need to do a face-to-face consultation first because I have to see where it's going or the placement or the size. Or, we'll need a deposit first so that our artist is covered in case of cancellation or no-show. Well, that doesn't sound like I started off with a soft ask. You are, in fact, asking them to do a face-to-face consultation. You're asking them to leave you a deposit. But you're giving them a reason why that's needed. And they're much more likely to do it because of that. So because, so that any of the terms that explain the why of the actions asked for will work. Apply these to your soft asks and see if it doesn't improve the rate of acceptance. section is on settle or concession based selling this is more of a specific tactic but I've seen it work a lot of times in convention type settings Uh, you start with a high number quote knowing that it is high without being so high as to be ridiculous then you concede or agree that it is a bit on the high side and settle for less. Now, a good example of this is you would first determine size and location of design. You know the price that you want to get out of that design. Let's assume for the example that it's $200. And then you'd write $400 on a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be double the original price just high enough that you can both agree it's on the high side. Don't show them the piece of paper yet, and you ask them what they wanted to spend. Let's assume it's $100 in this example. You would show them what you have written on the piece of paper and explain, this is the number that you had in your head that it is worth. Sometimes they will agree on that number at this point, and you will go make sure that you give them a $400 experience. But, if they say that it's too much, you can agree that it's a bit higher than they wanted to spend and offer to split the difference at $250. They're much more likely to accept the $250 while you still have room to negotiate to $200 if needed. A word of caution at this point. The tattoo's worth $200 and you know without a doubt that it is worth that. Never negotiate under that price. 
To do so lowers the value of what you do. For example, if you work by the hour, $100 an hour, and it's a two-hour piece, you should never do it for less than $200. Otherwise, you are no longer worth $100 an hour to those customers or anyone those customers talk to. tactic I'm really adding in here more so that you're aware of it and don't use it unethically it's considered lowballing and this tactic borders on the unethical in some instances you should be careful to not use this in that manner the more ethical use of this tactic is upselling now, lowballing works on the premise of offering a lower price to get the decision made, to get that yes. But before the deal closes, something changes to change the price to the higher side. A car salesman uses this tactic when offering a lower than market value price on a car, and then they let you take it home for the night. Now, they let you take it home because it allows you to make an attachment to the decision that in fact you've already decided to buy the car before you left the lot. You just don't know it yet. Then the next day, when it's time to sign papers, the manager or your bank won't approve the loan at that price. It's too low. But we can adjust it $400 to the correct amount and the car is yours. Now. $400 isn't a large amount when you're talking about a $15,000 car. It seemed like a good deal when you were saving it. It's not that much to add when you're already prepared to pay $14,600. This is also how they get you to pay for all the add-ons and up sales. You've already made the decision to buy. They're just negotiating how much more they can make on that sale. In tattoos, this can happen with cheap tattoos that have a not quite required charge for aftercare ointment, lotion or soap. These charges remain hidden until after that tattoo makes that unethical. Discussing the price of a tattoo before a design is drawn and then realizing it's gonna take longer than anticipated and changing the price after the decision or deposit is made also borders on unethical. Ways to avoid these things are quite simple, however. Make up sales at the end of the tattoo, no pressure sales. Best practice of this is recommend easily obtained aftercare, but also carry it so they don't have to make an extra trip for it if they do not want to. I prefer to make small trial size options available in a grab bag that they receive anyways. Avoid a change in price by not giving exact quotes until a design is drawn. If you have to ballpark, guesstimate high. So this next part is uh, based on the perceived self-image. Now, 
written contracts work on the need for consistency between a perceived self-image and their actions. Once a decision is made, they feel a need to hold on to that decision to keep a consistent self-image. A side note, telling you that they will be back, they have to think about it, that's not a decision made, it's an avoidance tactic. They have decided not to, even if they haven't recognized that decision yet. You didn't get a positive emotional response from them, and they were withdrawn. Now, public concessions strengthen decisions and contracts made. Agreements that are made publicly are more likely to be held up to. This is again a need for consistency of their self-image and how they want to be perceived publicly. There are a handful of things that you can do to use this effectively in your favor. Get a consultation form for them to fill out, describing what they want, where, and what their anticipated budget is, and when they are available. Any decision that you want them to make and hold on to, use it in your consultation form and make them fill it out. Writing it will strengthen the decisions that they make. And to follow up, when you have a design and a date picked out, have them make a post on social media about making the appointment. A simple way of marketing this idea to them might be to ask them to invite their friends to come in on that day to join them. Ask them to tag the shop in the post so they help you out. Or come up with your own version. The important thing is, if you want to cut down on a no-show or cancellations, make them announce publicly that they will be there on a certain day and time. next section works really hard on the psychology of self-images and we could spend an enormous amount of time digging into each one of these things but I just want to glaze over the top on this one and just give you something to think about now we're asking questions that lead to a self-image that you want them to defend. And then you ask the questions that get you paid. So you're, you're leading or set up question examples. If you want them to have a self-image of being educated or smart, might be asking them if they went to college or high school and asking them after that, did you graduate? It's going to set them into a mental space of they need to defend the self-image that they're educated. Using uh, do you like crossword puzzles and following that up with, boy, those are hard for me. Gives them that self-image of a, a logical thinker or a problem solver. If you wanted to reinforce a self-image of beauty and grooming and public image being important to them. You might compliment their shoes, ask her if she just got her hair done, or make a comment on that Mustang that they just pulled up, ask, is it the 5-0? Using an understanding of permanence 
You might ask if they're a homeowner. Do you own or rent? Are you a history buff? Do you know how old the pyramids are? Giving them that that sense of they understand the idea of permanence. For me, if you're trying to get them to defend the idea of investment versus expense, I like the idea of asking them, did you go to college? And following that up with, are you planning on sending your kids? This last one is personal image, and you'll be able to spot these people coming in the door. If they really need to be validated for how they look or how they're perceived, you'll see them walking in the door. And you can easily get them in the mindset of defending that ideal quite often with just a a compliment. If it's a guy, you know, ask him if he lifts. If it's a girl, compliment her personal image and then follow that up with, you know what I think would look great on you? Now, these leading questions and the follow-up questions are all just tactics on getting the response that you plan for. We can really go deep into all of this stuff, but I just want to stay on the top layer. last little section it's going to be selling with a story I'll use cost versus expense as an example my son wanted a bike for his birthday there were two bikes available we could afford at the time with a bit of a price difference after looking at both I buy the less expensive version for $50 two weeks later the brake cable breaks $10 to replace Within a month, I've had to replace a busted tube. About two months after, the rear bearing seize, and at this point, I'm overspending money on this bike. It's been three months, and I've spent $90. I turn around and go pick up the $150 bike for my son. Other than regular maintenance, greasing the chain, patching tubes, etc., my son rides this bike for five years until he outgrows it. Now, the expense difference between the two bikes, even the total expense difference, is a decent amount. However, the cost difference is drastic. The first bike cost me $30 a month, $90 of total expense used for three months. The second bike cost only $30 a year, $150 total expense over five years. The initial expense of your purchases are not the true value of that purchase, the cost is. If you're searching for the best value, quite often the higher expense provides to be the better value with the lower lifetime cost. Now, this last example and the thought process behind it is borrowed from Zig Ziglar. I'd strongly suggest getting some of his sales books or seminars and studying them. He is a leader in sales training, 
and for good reason. I'm going to wrap it up here for the day. Hopefully this stuff gives you a lot of things to work with. A lot of things to think on. Now, if you want to watch how I'm doing some of this stuff, feel free to follow me on any of the social media at InkCaps, I-N-K-C-A-P-P-S, for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um... I'm also on TikTok as Ink Caps Tattoos, but that's, well, we'll just say that's, that's just way more for fun right now. I'm still learning that one, but feel free to check that out as well. And uh, I definitely want to hear from you guys. Leave a comment or send in a question here on the app or on any of those social media sites that I just mentioned. Thanks, guys. I hope this stuff helps.